All right, welcome to episode nine of the Home Design Academy podcast. My name is Chris Novelli with N3 Architecture. And here on the podcast, we help people understand design and construction so they can make better decisions on their projects. Today, we're gonna be looking at alternative exterior wall construction methods and how a slight shift in how you frame and construct your exterior wall could get you much better energy efficiency results. So we're all familiar with a standard 2x4, 2x6 studs at 69 center to construct an exterior wall in your house. But there are many other ways that improve the envelope, save money on heating, and save money on cooling costs, and create healthier interior conditions. So just to go over a few of the basic terms to start off with, R-value is a measure of thermal resistance. It's measuring the heat flow through an object, and the higher the R-value, the better. Thermal bridging is the movement of heat through an object that's more conductive than the materials around it. So an example, heat flowing through the studs or through a concrete slab will flow faster than heat going through insulation. So thermal bridging is a major major source of energy loss in homes and buildings. And when you have too much thermal bridging, it leads to higher utility bills and less comfortable spaces. So when we talk about measuring the R value in a wall construction, it's not just a measure of how thick your insulation is. It's a, a combined measurement a total R value. And I'm not going to get into how exactly to calculate the total R value of all the different materials in your wall. So typically you in your exterior wall you have about 60% of the surface area's cavity space where your insulation is between the studs and then about another 18 to 20% is where your framing members are and then the rest is windows and doors. Um, but for these examples, I didn't want to get too complicated. I'm just going to use 75% cavity space and 25% framing to figure out these R values that I'm going to list here. And these R values will differ depending on the type of materials you use for your finishes and for your exterior siding, so on and so forth. First, I want to talk about the standard builder wall, the wall that anyone is involved in construction has seen since the 1980s. And this is two by fours or two by sixes at 16 inches on center with fiberglass bat insulation in the stud cavities, exterior plywood sheathing, a Tyvek air infiltration barrier, and then vinyl siding. And so I just want to say that this wall construction most likely in most cases does not meet current code minimums and there's also a lot of other problems with it that we'll get into later um, but first the low end of this wall construction if you're using two by fours with r11 fiberglass which is most houses built in the 80s and 90s you're going to have a combined r value of that wall assembly of only about 12.5 and then on the high end if you have your house framed with two by sixes and you have r19 bats which you know you might find in some houses in the late 90s and then into the 2000s, this wall has a combined R value of about 
so where I am, I'm located in Massachusetts, which is climate zone five. Um, we're looking at a minimum of R20 or R13 in the wall plus an additional R5 continuous on the exterior just to meet base code. And I just want to throw this out there that meeting the base code minimums should not be your goal. So next, the wall type number two that I want to look at is an upgrade to your standard wall. And I call this the new minimum. Like this is the minimum type of wall you should be building in your house right now. So this has two by six inches studs. Switch the fiberglass bat insulation to blown in cellulose or spray foam. Switch the plywood and Tyvek on the outside of the wall to a zip wall system, which gets you your air barrier, your, your vapor barrier, and some insulation as well. It's a much better weather-resistant barrier than, than Tyvek. There's lots of problems with Tyvek. Add exterior strapping to create a vented range screen. This increases durability. This allows for the drying of the inside of the wall. It allows a place for water to flow out of. Most siding manufacturers will recommend that a, a rain screen be installed. I recommend it on, on all my projects. You've got to have a rain screen these days. And then add rigid insulation on the outside. Uh, one inch would be an absolute minimum. Two inch preferred. So the one inch will get you an R5 and the two inches will get you an R10. If you get up to more than two inches, you start getting into some custom details that need to be worked out in the field. You can also use the insulated zip sheathing. Um, you just need to confirm your lateral loads and your diagonal bracing with your architect or structural engineer. I love the insulated zip products, um, but one of the drawbacks with that is the insulation is actually on the interior face, and so you're screwing your sheathing through this insulation into your studs, and it may not give you as much diagonal bracing that you need, depending on the type of loads that you need to handle. So with this upgraded minimum wall, at the low end, if you have two by sixes with blown-in cellulose and one inch R5 on the on the on the exterior, you're going to have, um, you know, your cellulose average is, is an R3.5 per inch. So that gets you 19.25. And then when you use the combined method, taking the percentages of the cavity versus the percentage of the studs, you're looking at an R24.37 plus or minus, you know, depending on the sheathing materials you use, uh, which up here in Massachusetts, that's just barely meeting code. And without that one inch, uh, exterior uh, rigid insulation you're going to be less than the code minimums and the high end on this if you use that same two by six wall but you switch to a closed cell spray foam that will get you an, uh, an r6.5 per inch and for that wall construction two by six wall with a spray foam plus two inches of r10 you're looking at about an r41 so now we're really talking when, when you start getting into that type of construction. But you could still get it even better, too. You can still get it even better. Just, just because you have a high R value doesn't mean that the wall's performing all the functions that it needs to perform. You have to also deal with, with water penetration. You need to deal with vapor permeance flowing from the inside of the house to the outside and then also from the outside in. Some of the benefits that you'll see... Um, you get the air sealing properties of spray foam where it, 
the spray foam will will cover up all those cracks and joints in the framing and and do a proper air sealing. One thing that I I like to do sort of if you want to go above the just the blown in cellulose but you don't want to have full spray foam cuz some people don't like spray foam. So one thing that I like to do is a flash coat of the spray foam which is just a, a thin layer just to fill in those cracks, fill in those gaps and then cellulose on top of that and you kind of get the best of both worlds there. Uh, one of the other benefits to this upgraded wall is switching from the Tyvek to the Zip system. Uh, I can't believe people are still using Tyvek out there and driving around. I see it on houses and and small multifamily buildings all the time. And some people don't like to change the way that they work. And so using Tyvek was just accepted for so long. But there's just so many problems with it. And it's not enough to get into on this show, so I'll have to be a topic for a future show. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the Zip system is perfect either. Uh, the zip system can be damaged. It's not. I don't think it's really that durable on the job site. Like if people are dropping it or stepping on it, and it, it really, when you're using the zip system, your performance, you're you're sort of dependent on how good of a tape job the contractors do at the seams. So using the zip system is definitely an upgrade, uh, but you have to be careful. Um, you you don't want to you don't want to damage the outside barrier on the product and then you also need to have a, a, a really professional really well crafted tape job So now into wall type three. Um, so this wall type is what I would call uh, modifications to the upgraded wall. And I would think that a number of these items can still be afforded by most budgets. So the first thing we're going to do in this wall type is we're going to switch the studs from 16 inches on center to 24 inches on center. Now. This will get you a slight increase in your in the R value of your wall because you have less area of studs, less area of thermal bridging. You will also save a little bit on the lumber costs, which is a, an added bonus. Definitely check with the with the loads that you're carrying because you know the 16 inch on center wall will carry a little bit more loads than a 24 inch on center wall. But in most places, in most situations, you can still use the 24-inch on-center wall, and it will work out just fine. The next upgrade I would make would be to use a California corner. If you don't know what a California corner is, instead of building the the, the walls, uh, the corner of your wall solid, uh, a California corner staggers these studs so that you can get insulation into the corner, and this. You know, is a the, those corners, those exterior corners are a big source of heat loss. And if you can get some thermal materials in there, then you're gonna you're gonna just improve the overall performance. You can incorporate some advanced framing me- methods, some smart framing, um, which could be reducing the amount of jack studs uh, in certain situations, or you can also uh, I and 
I put this on the modifications, but I, to the upgraded wall. But I would say that this is a, a, a standard. A minimum now is to use insulated headers. There's a couple different ways to use insulated headers. One would be to sandwich a piece of rigid insulation in between two framing uh, members and stick that above. But this sort of gets the uh, the insulators on the job site a little earlier than normally scheduled or you have the carpenters that have to deal with the rigid insulation. So another way, uh, another good way to, to have an insulated header would be to just install the framing members as normal and push them to the outside so you have a little gap on the inside that could be uh, hit with a, with some spray foam. So either way, as long as your header is insulated, that's, that's good. The next thing you want to do is extend the exterior rigid insulation all the way down the outside face of the foundation wall um, and straight to the footing. There's a couple different ways, and I talked about this a little bit in the foundations episode, but I like bringing the the exterior rigid insulation straight down the outside, straight down below grade, and and right down to the footing. So this gets you that continuous plane of insulation straight down the outside of the wall. It's it's there's no gaps, there's no breaks in it, and it's it's just works out really well. Um, the only thing about this is now you have some rigid insulation where between the ground and the bottom of your siding it just needs to be covered with some sort of protection board. And then also what you want to be doing uh, here when you're upgrading the wall is to switch to a triple pane window and not just a triple pane window but do some research because not all windows are, are constructed equally so you want to get a nice window in there. A window that will have you know not only good uh, performance but will look good as well and then last if you want to switch your weather resistant barrier from just using the zip system to a fluid applied uh, barrier that will get you in even greater performance the next type of wall wall type 4 that we're going over is sort of the same construction as wall type 3 but you can increase the size of the studs you're not limited to just 2x4s or 2x6s in the wall. You can use 2x8s, 2x10s, 2x12s. You can go as, as big as you want. And the larger you, the larger framing member you use, obviously, the more insulation you're able to get in. And also, the less thermal bridging you'll have because those, fra those larger framing members will have uh, a slightly higher R value. Um, so just for an example, if you use a 2x8 wall instead of a 2x6, still use the blown-in cellulose and have 2 inches of R10 on the outside, you're getting up to uh, an R35 and a quarter for your combined R value. And then the next type, number, number 5, would even be to uh, frame a double stud wall. So this would be, uh, you know, two by six on the outside within an airspace and then a second two by four wall on the inside and then you can fill in that gap with insulation and it really reduces the thermal bridging you still have a little bit on the outside but if you're covering it with some exterior rigid then you're 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 good to go and the thickness of that double stud wall could be whatever you want it to be could be however much insulation you can afford to put in there. One other method that you can use would be, and this you, this could be done with any wall type, 
and it's similar to a double stud wall, but you're framing uh, an in, it's called an interior service cavity. So for the interior service cavity, you're framing a sort of a second wall on the inside, and this allows space for electrical boxes and wiring to be installed without cutting into or reducing the amount of insulation within the sud cavities. And then this interior service cavity could then also be insulated with, uh, with spray foam or blown-in cellulose. And the last wall type that I want to go over really quick here is something that I don't really see often, but I've, I have seen it a couple times and it, it really intrigues me. And this is switching from using studs on your exterior wall to using open web floor trusses in lieu of the studs. And so these open web trusses allow not only, not only are they nice and strong, but they allow for the, the gaps between the webbing to be filled and packed in with insulation. And it just ends up being a really good system. And so as you can see, the possibilities of how you frame your wall are endless. The, the real question is, what are your goals for the house? It's your one of your largest investments, maybe your largest investment uh, for your entire life. So you want to do things the right way and spend your money wisely. Spend your money so that the performance of the house is key rather than just the fancy materials. Um, there's a lot of other different types of wall constructions that I didn't mention. And I wanted to keep it simple for you today. Um, some of these other systems include uh, SIPs, which is a structurally insulated panel that has rigid insulation sandwiched between uh, two pieces of OSB and laminated and, and secured together. Uh, SIPs is a, is a nice, strong system with very little thermal bridging, and it's a, it's a good system to use. Um, I've seen it used on multifamily housing projects a lot. Other systems include mass timber framing, which is pieces of wood which is which are laminated together to create this solid wall structure. Um, and this is becoming a little bit more popular these days. I still have yet to see it be used widely for for single family residential projects, but um, I think that there's some possibilities there. And if you liked what we talked about today, you can. Um, some other resources for you to look into would be uh, the Building Science Corporation, which is a firm that studies uh, building sciences, and they produce a lot of technical articles and testing that you can browse and read for free. Um, there's a there's a, a company called 475 High Performance Building Supplies. They uh, have a lot of great products, and they also have a lot of resources for you to study as well. And then there you can find a lot of information on YouTube as well. I like uh, the work that Matt Reisinger from The Build Show is doing. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. And if you want to look at good ways to construct single-family homes, uh, Matt's uh, definitely uh, something to look at.
so that's going to wrap it up for this show. Uh, remember to go to n3architecture.com for more information. Please send your questions. Uh, I would love to answer questions on the show here. Anything about uh, design and construction, you can email your questions to homedesignacademy at n3architecture.com. Or if you don't want to email and if you just want to leave a quick voicemail for it, for me for the show uh, you can go to speakpipe.com slash home design academy uh, that once again that's speakpipe.com slash home design academy uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one